This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. We got some bye weeks. We got a marquee game. We got upset potential. Week five should be a lot of fun since we already recapped week four. We are such an efficient podcast. I didn't go on vacation this week, so we got to do a, a recap show, and now we're going to do a preview show, and uh, it's on a regular podcast platform, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, which is great. But we're also live on YouTube, which we're growing the following there. We get more and more subscribers to our YouTube channel Every week, we got live viewers uh, doing all of our shows, so I appreciate that very much. We have a challenge for them, though, Dave, if you're watching live. Did you ever do a super chat? We got to do a super chat. We got to get a super chat in there. So basically, yeah. whatever we're talking about, you can interrupt us if you do a super chat, and then we'll just see the super chat, and we'll stop whatever we're doing, and we'll talk about whatever you say in the super what chat. What Ryan so. is asking you to do is pay us money. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, that's what the super chat entails. You you pay us some money, it goes right to the top, and then we'll deal with your uh, question immediately. Yeah, and if you're listening uh, just on the regular podcasting platform and you can't super chat, just send us a check or something. That's yeah, fine. yeah, that works. Just checks, money orders, those yeah. sorts of things. Check or money orders. Yes. Money orders still a thing. I don't know. I think so. I think you still have to do it at some uh, particularly slumlordy type apartment. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, hey, we uh, we got a fun show. We got a whole bunch of questions, even though we just did a show a few days ago. So if you do have questions for us, you can email packfulpodcast at gmail.com or call or text us at 424-532-0678. I think we got a couple of voicemails to get to today. Uh, I'm excited, Dave. We get like still get a bunch of questions after a short week or a short, you know. Well, so, so we short they, soak on our last they did, episode. They did benefit from you uh, bailing on our podcast early last week or uh, uh, on Monday. Yes. So that, that, that plays a role. I had another show to do. I mean, yeah. we were we were fired up, we were rolling, and you were just like, "No, no, 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 let's tap the brakes." Uh, so that's that's part of the the thirteen questions. But the rest of it is you, the listener, the interested viewer, 
participating in this grand experiment we like to call the Podcast of Champions. And for that, we thank you. We do thank you. And uh, I know it's only been a few days. Do we have any new uh, reviews over on the Apple Podcasting app? We don't. Okay. Um, well, that's okay. But we, we had a couple. Yeah, we had like four last week. We had five. We had five. five. Okay, and yeah. You kept thinking it was four. And in fact, you interrupted <laughs> me before the final review. But it is indeed five. I'm excited we had four last week. It that was, was great. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Four reviews is really good. Four is good. Five is better. Five is actually the total. Speaking of number five. Yes. Did you know how many wins Chip Kelly has against winning programs in his uh, 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 five and a half years at UCLA? This year or the, the No, no, just thing. in total. Is it five? It is five. <laughs> Do you know how many losses against winning programs? Has he only played five? Would it be five and oh? Mm. No, no, no. Not it's, quite. It's 25. <laughs> five, five and 25 is the record. Are you like... What are you doing here? You trying to? I'm say just I'm just assessing some numbers, you know. <laughs> here at this point in the era, anyone can make statistics look the way they want. Yeah, it's so true. It doesn't it's shouldn't so get in the way of a contract extension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those numbers should not. Hey, USC. Do you know how many wins against winning programs Carl Durrell had in 2006? F uh, five? Five. 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 Okay, five. Yeah. that's pretty good. Why they fire him? Did you know he was like the wide receiver coach for the Denver Broncos? Like resume wise, it's hard to get better than that. It's so true. It's a great point. Um, yeah. Uh, Colt says neither of you are naked. Fake news. That's true. I mean, we're naked under our clothes. I guess that is so, like, true. That is true. We're naked at heart. Um, we are naked in our opinions. Naked in the facts we we throw out there. We are unbiased. Uh, we are not covered in the patina of gloss that so much of the mainstream media is. Yeah. I'm trying uh, to appeal to some right ring viewers right now. I like that. Uh, is it working? Ben says, tip your Ryan and Dave, please. Yeah, yeah. please do. Um, not that we're going to do this, but it would be kind of funny. Like, oh, okay, if we get like a $25 um, super chat, we'll take off an article. <laughs> <laughs> if if you give us a $50 uh, uh, super chat, Ryan will show feet. I'll show feet. Okay, I can do that. That's fine. <laughs> All right, we're getting stupid here. On we're the, gonna, uh, and we do today. have a lot to get to, yeah. um, a lot of questions and stuff. Um, and I uh, just want to let everyone know about my bookie. We're going to do all our picks uh, today. We're previewing the games. And I'll, I'll, as always, I will bet all these games through my MyBookie account. Um, I know you guys like college football. The NFL stuff, if you're into that, Aaron Rodgers, he's gone. But there's still a lot of fun stuff you can do in the NFL with my bookie. College football, brand new cash out system gives you the best options to bet and win all season long. So if you hit like the first two legs of your parlay, I kind of like this, and you're like, oh, I'm not feeling really good about the third one, you can cash out early. So that's a new feature. I like that a lot. But you can join over us over at my bookie for an entire season filled with daily odds, boosts, same game, par same game parlays, and huge prize pool contests right now. MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. So if you use promo code PAC12 on your first deposit of 50 bucks or more, so do 25 to Super Chat and then 50 bucks to MyBookie, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code PAC12 to claim your cash bonus. Now, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at MyBookie. Wow. You know, it's, I, was give, I was ready to give that read like a B. Uh, through the first half, really, but then you really closed strong. That was I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think, it was, getting, it was not, not I good think I'd probably throw out an A minus. Okay, it was good. It was Thanks. a solid read. Um, and the way you closed that game, um, that that read was uh, was really impressive. It helps to like just you know how the sausage is made. I I read it a few days ago, so 
I, that's, that was the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. This is now I've read it once. And then you can kind of insert little parts into it, you know, because when you're talking and trying to read. But there's, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. We're like live people. Like we do this live. Like we're, and, we're, and like the prep that goes into this is very minimal. So if we're making mistakes, like, yeah. By minimal, you mean it's <laughs> it's a minimum of 30 hours a week of prep time, right? <laughs> I mean, you guys don't even know our producer. Yeah. Right? Where, where is Eric? That? Where is that person? <laughs> Eric leads a staff of members out there in the room, and they're just camera shy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do have a question, Jim. Uh, how much cut uh, do you – Does you, so YouTube takes, I think, 30% from Super Chat. So do they really? I believe so, <laughs> that's yeah. That's insane. I, that's what I looked up last time. We we had one. Like, I've never – like, we're just joking around. Like, if you want to do it, that's, that's funny and fine. But um, that's not why we're doing this. But we just had – we – we would do some on the USC channel and we get a little bit every once in a while. And for whatever reason, Gerard and Chris did this recruiting one and people like people were giving like a hundred dollars. Like they had one show, they got in like $700, you know, of super chats. And I was just like, what? And then we had to look up like, so I wanted to pay them for, you know, their show. And then like, I, you know, 30% of it went to YouTube. So I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of fun. Uh, those are, you know, Rusty Shackleford says, I'll pay you for, to put more clothes on. Oh, hey, that's good. Well, you know, uh, I don't have any. Well, I think I might have some shirts in the other room. We could. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you do a $50 super chat, Dave will put on like a USC shirt or something mm. or play with the Caleb Williams bobblehead that he moves out of the way. There we go. I'll put on the USC helmet. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Is it? You're you a big. I could, think I could even get that on my head? I know. You're kind of a big head guy. I got right? a huge head. Yeah. I don't know. I What's your hat size? Seven, three eighths, I think. Or okay. what are you? I'm uh, probably seven and three quarters. Okay, so a little bit uh, bigger and stuff. We have a little bit of like I don't know. This is like breaking news, but I, I, I'm I haven't met Ross Dellinger in person, but I like him. I like his reporting. Uh, he went over to Yahoo um, now, and uh, we've interacted on Twitter and stuff a little bit. But uh, his he's got some good stuff. Usually, he was talking about like a potential for Washington State and Oregon State to stay the Pac two for up to two years because you get that exemption from the NCAA that you have to have eight uh, teams in your league to be considered a league, but you have a two-year grace period. So they could potentially be like the Pac-2, make like a scheduled deal with the Mountain West and, uh, you know, play each other, obviously. Um, And yeah, so they could do that maybe just for next year or maybe for two years. But would their, you know, quote, like questions are like, would their champion be an automatic qualifier? And then would they get a share of the um, Power Five college football playoff revenue. So there's some some kind of questions involved in that, but it seems like a viable option that they just kind of stick together. I mean, I don't. I'm. I think so. They had meetings in Chicago, I believe, for the college football playoff. They didn't come up with a decision on should they do. You know, they're right now they have six automatic qualifiers because you have five Power Five conferences for 25 and 26. After I mean 25, 24 and 25. After that, um, there's no deal whatsoever. So it would be the next two years. But some conferences are saying, and some of the smaller ones are saying, um, no, we want the six instead of going to five, even though there won't be power five. And then there's questions, will like the Big Ten and the SEC go, well, screw you, we're not going to have any automatic qualifiers and you are out uh, in 26 and beyond. So there's sort of like a a game of chicken, I guess, going on here. But I guess Klyovkov wasn't there, if I'm not mistaken, um, I don't know what he's doing. We haven't heard from him. I don't think Oregon State and Washington State want him to be running uh, whatever the Pac-2 is, but I don't know. It's kind of crazy. 
It is kind of crazy. I think Washington State and Oregon State should do whatever is most disruptive to everyone else. Like their whole ethos right now, their whole uh, mode of being should be how do we best gum up the works and uh, and uh, fuck everyone in the, pa- in the in the entire world of college football who doesn't want us. So I think for their purposes, stay the pack two and force the CFP to make a change, like force them to do something different. Um, I think that's the ideal move. Yeah, and I I think like a schedule, you know, with with the Mountain West, and maybe they're they're able to, you know, with local politicians keep the Apple Cup and keep the Civil War, whatever it's called now, and then schedule a bunch of Mountain West teams plus a couple of uh, other out of conference games. Is the Civil War the one? Uh, that's the one between Cal and Stanford, right? Uh, I think it's Utah, Colorado. I got think it, got it, got yeah. it, got it, got it. And the Apple Cup is we we know this one. It's the one between Arizona and Arizona. State. We, yes, that's this. That's the one. Um, this is going to be sucky. One. This is one last year of us changing all the names for the the rivalry games. We only got Just one more a year. bit that makes absolutely no sense that we've been going to for seven years. We've been doing it a lot, but we we don't get to do it anymore. Yeah. So. Um, It'll be our last Territorial Cup between Oregon and Oregon State. Oh, we have some more breaking news. Uh, Jim says, I just saw Klyovkov at the MGM as a pit boss at the craps table. At least he's not dealing with the MGM. Like, MGM got hacked and, like, all their stuff is messed up. So Mm -hmm. at least he doesn't have to deal with that kind of crap anymore. (laughs) Um, He's dealing with some – I mean, he didn't – he did sink an entire conference that was around for 100 years. So Yeah. um, Win some, you lose some, though. Yeah. That's a true gambler's motto. Cool. All right. Well, we got to do our preview and picks. Uh, did David put these in here? Where'd you put them? Oh, I see them. Okay. Very cool. All right. So um, we have, it's kind of actually, if you want to watch Pac-12 football, this might be the best way to do it uh, this season because you have a Friday night game, then a Saturday morning, Saturday noon, Saturday like mid-afternoon, and Pac-12 after dark. Like you got boom, 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 boom. Now, a couple of those are on Pac-12 Network, but... Still, we might even say three of them. We might even say sixty percent of the games are on the Pac-12 network. Oh, there's three. Oh, then the, the night one is too crap. Yeah. Um, oh well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I decided not to do it this year. Um, but yeah, so like you could, they're all spaced out. That's kind of cool. we haven't had that before. I don't think. Yeah, uh, we got two teams on bye weeks: um, Washington State and UCLA. But we have one marquee game, and then I think what did you say? Upset potential for the rest of them. Yeah, I would say there's there's a marquee game. Um, then there's a, I mean, USC in the morning will be fun, uh, just for, I mean, a quarter, and then it'll be disaster time. And then I think the ending game is obviously very interesting. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we have a lot to get through. So why don't we do this? Let's start with our Friday night game. Uh, we have uh, the number ten, I believe. Utah Utes. On the road, taking on number 19, Oregon State Beavers. Friday at 6 p.m. on FS1, hopefully not preempted by truck racing. Mm. Uh, number 10, Utah, traveling to Corvallis to take on number 19, Oregon State. Uh, this game, I want to say, opened as Utah minus one or two, and it has moved all the way to Oregon State minus four and a half. Uh, the I word, saw this morning on my bookie it was three and a half, but it's got, now four and a half. Wow! And it's um, there was some recent news that came out. I think one of the Utah reporters said that it's looking like Nate Johnson again, which makes a ton of sense. I mean, on six days rest, yeah, like since the game, why? I mean, it, 
if he wasn't ready for UCLA, why would he be ready now? Speaking about Cam Rising. Um, That's what it, we've been saying from the beginning. Like once he didn't play in the opener, and then then it's like the conference opener. Get doesn't to the play. bye week. Get to the bye week and see if you can get him back then. Yeah. But otherwise, it's um, not looking great there. Uh, so this is a really interesting game. So Oregon State's fresh off a road loss. Uh, Utah is fresh off of a, a suffocating home win over UCLA, where the defense really showed up um, and they made mincemeat of UCLA's offensive line. Um, Oregon State's issues, uh, you know, they were going against a very, very, very good offensive attack in Washington State. Um, Utah is not that, uh, and they haven't been this year. Uh, Utah, um, you know, I mean, they might be able to do something similar to Oregon State that they were able to do to UCLA, but similar, not the same. Uh, there's one thing to do that in Salt Lake City. It's, it's a different thing to do it on the road. Uh, I think Oregon State's going to have a really good crowd for this one. It's a Friday night road game in the Pac-12. I think Oregon State wins this, and I think they cover. Um, I think they're going to cover the four and a half, um, even with DJU uh, absolutely positively not being the answer for them at quarterback. Yeah, uh, we just got a comment um, from Rusty. Um, you know, Friday night game, home team. No brainer. I do like Oregon State in this one. Um, you know, I think UCLA's defense is is good. I think it's going to be tougher for Utah to kind of muster up some sort of offense with your backup quarterback uh, in Corvallis. Um, you know, I think Oregon State showed a lot of moxie later in the game against Washington State on the road, bouncing back and making it close. Um, I feel like they're going to come out and play really well. We've seen Utah, was it two years ago when they were like, just just like by the end of the season when they were just like killing everybody their one blip was in Corvallis you know and uh they had they had trouble with with the Beavers so yeah I don't I don't like the four and a half as much but um yeah I think Oregon State's going to uh win and cover this one and uh yeah we'll see the whole Cam Rising thing maybe this happens uh like you said during the bye week or something but for right now um you know, scoring seven points at home last week is not giving me a lot of credit. I like, you know, Oregon State's defense. Yeah, Washington State, you know, shredded them in the beginning, but I thought they started playing a little bit better later on in that one. So, Do you want to know? Um, so, Oregon State has yet to score under 26 points in a game. Ah. Utah's offense has yet to score over 24. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the game most similar to this one uh, for Oregon State is probably... San Diego State. It's a it's a it's a more high powered San Diego State, but it's San Diego State, and I think Oregon State's defense they're they're not going to shut down Utah the way UCLA did, but I also don't think they're going to allow what Washington State put up against them. I think it'll be something like they allow twenty points, and Oregon State you gotta you gotta somehow score you know twenty five. I think they're going to do it. Um, real quick, this is from Greg over at Pac twelve Research. I got little notes for both teams. Oregon State, they are one of two Pac-12 teams holding opponents under 70 yards rushing per game. Uh, Utah is also holding opponents to 51 yards rushing per game. And then for Utah, I guess that was a Utah stat too, but Utah has held two opponents under 15 uh, rushing yards this season, making it the first time since 20, 2002 that they've held two opponents under 15 yards rushing in the same season. So that was UCLA and I forget who the other one was, but... Um, very exciting. Yeah. So little 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 nuggets for you guys there. Okay. Next up, uh, we're going to move into our uh, Saturday games. Now, we have number eight, 
USC Trojans. On the road, taking on Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffalo. This is the uh, big noon kickoff. Oh, yeah. 9 a.m. on Big Fox, number eight USC, traveling to Colorado, which is fresh off its pasting at the hands of Oregon on the road. USC is a 21 and a half point favorite. This line has been moving in Colorado's direction uh, since it opened at some. I saw it initially on Bovada like Saturday night at 27. Um, and then I think the like open on most were like around 24 and a half. And now it's down to 21 and a half. I do not understand. Um, so here's the thing. Here, here's the MO for USC's defense, right? Maybe shaky tackling, maybe shaky on the back end. What do they do well? They rush the passer. <laughs> and I don't mean just well. If you go look at the underlying stats, they are third in the nation in pressure rate. Like they are getting after everybody. What does uh, Colorado not do well offensively? Uh, they don't protect uh, Shooter Sanders. Right. <laughs> Uh, so you see how those two things might um, <laughs> not necessarily work out too well for Colorado's offense. Uh, they haven't been able to run the ball, so their entire offense is centered around Shadur Sanders having enough time to complete some ridiculous throws downfield. Uh, he's going to still be without Travis Hunter in this game, more than likely. I mean, it doesn't. I don't think there's any talk that he's going to be back for this game. Uh, so he's going to be without his number one target, and he's going to be going against arguably the best pass rush in the Pac-12. So Colorado's probably not going to score a whole lot. What other issue do they have? Like, let's ignore offense for a second. What issue do they have defensively? Uh, everything. They, yeah. <laughs> everything. The answer is everything. They can't stop the run. They the can't stop one. the run. And then they also um, yeah, struggle with everything else. Um, yeah. I mean, the idea that USC is going to sc- score fewer than 49. Uh, that possibility appears remote, but I do think there's a very good chance that they shut down Colorado's offense to the tune of like 14 to 21 points. And with that, I, I think USC covers, and I, I this is like stone cold lock territory for wow. me. USC would have to play so poorly to not cover this spread. Uh, I'm kind of, I thought you'd go with Colorado this one. I'm definitely, I'm going with USC as well. Um, you know, I did like a little preview thing with Adam Munster Tiger. He feels like it's going to be closer to this one. I kind of had it as like a 45-21 thing, which is cover. Like, you know, all the spreads for USC have been like in the 30s. So just thinking about like, oh, 45-21, that's a, that's a cover. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. So I would I agree with you. Um, USC's really been like the pressure rate's been great. They give up the explosive plays and they're, you know, they're giving up touchdowns on that kind of stuff. But they ran the ball 11 yards a clip with Marshawn Lloyd last week and Colorado really has a hard time stopping the run. They had a lot of pre-snap penalties. I think there was five total, four false starts and a delay a game pre-snap and um, Shotgun Scratling tweeted out a stat where if they get the plan before like five seconds, they're averaging like 11 yards a play. And if they're calling the, you know, snapping the ball with under five seconds left on a play clock, it's like six yards a play. They just need to, I think they talked about this week, they just have to get it in there faster and go. And I feel like they just needed to run the play against Arizona State. They weren't doing that. So I think they're going to do, that's a focus this week. I do think Colorado's going to bounce back and play a lot better than what we saw at Oregon. But, um, you know, not having, I think Shiloh Sanders is potentially out for this game too. So like your two, your better secondary players, um, your best receiver and Travis Hunter is not going to be playing in this one. And, you know, uh, Sanders got sacked seven times last week and USC sacked Arizona, Arizona State quarterbacks eight times. Uh, I think the line play is just going to be tough. I feel like 
you, both teams are going to play better, but USC has just a lot more upside when they play better. So even if they don't play the cleanest game, I think they can cover the spread, but who? Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think the concern would be like, if you're, Hey, how's it going to be close? Well, USC does give up some big explosive plays and, and Colorado scoring long touchdowns and stuff like that. But I just, I just feel like if USC just runs the ball, they're going to be kind of pounding Colorado into submission. So I'll take, yeah. I'll take USC in this one. Tough back to back well. for tough back to back for Colorado. It's really tough. Uh, I don't think the, the metal, the, 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 I don't know, overall quality of that team is necessarily dictated by the results of this past game and this one coming up i think there are three programs in the pac-12 that are uh at some measure going into supernova right now oregon and washington and to a slightly lesser extent usc which you know might still have some defensive questions to answer and they have to play two of them back to back that's not ideal i do want to shout out uh travis hunter though um who uh apparently uh no, I'm not gonna bring up his Twitter likes. Uh, I'm gonna bring up <laughs> I instead. Say, I saw I'm gonna something br- about that. Yes, I'm gonna bring up and inst- look. A man's Twitter likes are his own private deal. <laughs> Don't look into it. Except them. it's on the internet. It's like looking in. <laughs> hey, hey, it's like looking in somebody's window. Don't do it. You won't like what you see. Um, no, I'm gonna bring up instead. Travis Hunter uh, apparently was hanging out with the dude who lacerated his liver. Uh, Shiloh. Uh, yeah, Shiloh Sanders. No, I, no. I, th- I thought it was Shiloh. No, no, Hunter. Travis Hunter was hanging out with Henry Blackburn Wednesday night. Oh, and they went okay, bowling. okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Uh, especially since that Blackburn kid um, apparently was getting death threats for hitting uh, Travis Hunter. Oh, oh, oh. I talk, Oh, the one that hurt him. Yeah. Um, Sh- yeah. San- so Sanders was also, I think he had a liver problem too or something or a kidney problem or something. Like there were some internal organ problems if I'm not... Um, yeah, so Shiloh had a kidney issue too, so there's like a whole different, a lot of internal injuries, okay, going on. But that's great that yeah he was hanging out with the guy that hit him. Um, that was cool. Yes, and I didn't I didn't see exactly what his Twitter likes were, but there was definitely some talk about that. It was it was a little porn, you know. <laughs> it's okay, whatever. Uh, USC for a little notes here. You mentioned this uh, defensive chaos. They force. Opponents into negative plays or turnovers on 17.1% of defensive snaps. That's the third most in FBS behind uh, JMU in Kansas. And for Colorado, they're looking for their first win over an AP top 10 team since uh, September of 2007 when they defeated number three Oklahoma in Boulder. They're looking to snap a 19-game losing streak versus top 10 teams in the bus face. The Buffs face top 10 teams in back-to-back weeks. For only the third time this century, 2020, uh, 2001, 2000, uh, last year, and then this year. The one thing I will say in uh, in uh, support of the idea that the Buffs could surprise, um, probably not win, but surprise, uh, TCU has not turned out to be bad. TCU has turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. Not a playoff team, but pretty good. So that win uh, is holding up the, the 45-42 one in the opener. Yeah, no, that's it's definitely a good win. But we felt like attrition was going to hurt this team down the road and then the schedule gets tougher and all that. That was yeah, yeah. obviously a major win just to be three and zero to start this season is, is incredible. Um, all right, next up, uh, now we're going to like a string of pack 12, uh, network games. We have Arizona state sun devils <laughs> going up, uh, tightwad Hill to play California golden bears. Yeah, so this is at 12 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, ASU traveling to Cal. Cal's a 12.5-point favorite. 
Um, that might feel a little high to you if you if your only data on Arizona State this year is their game against USC last week. My feeling on that is um, they caught USC a little bit off guard with Kenny Dillingham throwing literally everything out there. But ASU is still a very, very, very flawed team, and they're not going to have Drew Pine this week. It's going to be, I don't know, someone else on the rotating dial of semi-healthy quarterbacks. Um, so that's not great. Um, and you know, I mean, I think defensively they're a little bit improved, but I think offensively they're still pretty much a disaster and there might be some creative play calling, but I do think Cal will have it a little bit more sussed out than, uh, USC did. Um, so I'm going to go with Cal here. Uh, I do think they have some serious flaws of their own. They haven't had good quarterback play. They do have a decent running game, uh, and they're, defenses you know washington notwithstanding i think their defense is fine uh at least that are preventing explosive plays so um yeah i'll take cal to cover i'm gonna we've been agreeing on a lot of stuff uh even when i i thought you would go this way too i did i thought you would go take colorado but uh in this one i'm also going to take uh the sturdy golden bears this you know for a lot of things went right for Arizona State to be as close as they were last week, but having Drew Pine be the the quarterback all week going into it, I think helped. You know, they when they got shut out by Fresno State, you played like four different dudes. Everyone was hurt. You weren't sure. Like this was like a game plan around a single quarterback, and it just worked. Now I'm not saying Trenton Porgay can't do it, and I think they've known Pine's been out, so he's probably been the guy prepping uh, all week. But you know, it's a road game, and Cal showed a lot of. Um, Grid, I think. I mean, they were good in the red zone against Washington. They actually, you know, moved the ball a lot. It, it was tough, you know, being now fourteen nothing, and you haven't even played defense yet. It's just sort of one of those things that that just happens, and you're you're kind of screwed. You're not coming back from that, right? But I thought they played okay, you know, like and like you said, the defense is okay. The offense is better than what it was. Um, I feel like they're gonna, you know, it's still a lot of points to cover. Like you got to win by two touchdowns, but I feel like they can. They can do that here. And, uh, you know, enough stuff has sort of gone wrong with ASU, uh, you know, when they were at home. And then you kind of like, they put a lot into the game last week and you fall a little short. And then can you can you do that again? Like you can't, it's hard to throw the kitchen sink at somebody two weeks in a row. Uh, but you got to try to get this win here. But without Drew Pine, I think with Drew Pine in there, I think I'm taking Arizona State. Uh, without him, I think I'm going to go with Cal here. And uh, it's a lot of points for Cal. I mean, can you believe we're taking like Cal, like minus 12 and a half points? Um, wouldn't have done that a lot, but. Uh, no, yeah. it doesn't feel right. Um, <laughs> this is probably the one I'm least confident about this week. I would say uh, for Arizona State, Cam Scadabo is the only running back in FPS that has multiple cl- pass completions. Uh, yeah, he had two completions against USC last week. And then for Cal, they are one of two Pac-12 teams and one of four in the Power Five with double-digit takeaways. So that's another aspect of this. They have 11 takeaways. ASU only turned the ball over twice against USC, but eight times against um, Fresno State. So that could be something where you turn the ball over a few extra times and you could see Cal covering this one uh, fairly easily. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I think probably least confident, but I just my, my gut's going with Cal and this one. All right. Next up, we got number nine. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> And they're going out on the farm. We got a lot of Bay Area football this weekend to take on Stanford Cardinal. 
All right, so this is a football game taking place at 3.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. If you, like, um, went back in time and you told people Oregon-Stanford, like, you went back 10 years, you know, back to 2013, and you said, Oregon-Stanford, it's going to be at 3.30 on the Pac-12 network. And and Stanford is a 27-point dog. I think they'd have an aneurysm. They probably would. Yeah. Uh, 3.30 Pac-12 Network, number nine, Oregon at Stanford. Stanford is a 27-point dog in Palo Alto. Um, Yeah, so I've got a lot of different thoughts on this game. First, like on the merits, if you gave me this on a neutral field, I would probably say Oregon by 42, right? Like basically what USC did to them. Um, But it can be weird playing in Palo Alto. Uh, Stanford is capable of weirdness. I don't think they're good, but they're not quite 2022 Colorado, right? They're not quite like just abject disaster. And I think Troy Taylor is at least trying to like do some things. Um, and I think at home, you know, they, they did lose to Sac State, but they were, you know, semi-competitive for a little while. Um, and they've been competitive in every game except for the disaster against USC. And that was on the road. <sighs> I'm going to take them to cover 27. It's a Damn. lot of points. I almost now I should switch cuz I was I'm going with Stanford too. Um they almost beat Arizona. Like they, you know, Arizona was favored by a bunch. Now, but that was only because they made Arizona just look like ass for yeah. like a big portion of that game, but Arizona was favored by 11 and a half. Um this is just so many points. And yes, could Oregon just blow them off the field? Yes, in probably any other setting I would pick them to. It's just road games are hard. Yeah. It's weird for teams. And just like Colorado, I mean, just like Arizona State, when they threw sort of like everything at, I mean, Land Danning circled that Colorado game. There was a lot. I mean, the pregame speech, the the postgame video where they played Shiloh Sanders talking about how he's going to kill the players and coaches or whatever he said. It was some dumb shit. And uh, they produced like a five or six minute video afterwards on this win over Colorado. Like it was like this, you know, nice video production and everything. They put a lot into that one. Like, you know, there's not going to be that many people in the stands. Do you put as much into, like, do you care as much about beating the crap out of Stanford? Like you said, this isn't from the, you know, this isn't 2012 or anything. This is 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like the way Stanford sort of bounced back after just getting boat raced by USC and played you know, they should have won that game against Arizona. An Arizona team that has, like, a good offense, you know, and a, I think an improved defense. I don't I don't think there's any way that Stanford's, like, getting an upset or anything, but Oregon going down there, you know, they could win by 21. You know, I, I think that's very – like, they could play well and win by 21 on the road and not cover the spread. So I, I feel pretty – I feel pretty good about this one, that it's just like – now we know that like Stanford just could come out and and look like they did against USC in the first half, and then it's just over, and that could happen. And where Oregon just scores every time they go, you know, two point conversions, and it's like sixteen nothing in like the first five minutes. You're like, all right, this ain't happening. But I think there's enough of a chance that Stanford kind of runs the ball, and there's not as many possessions, and you know, Oregon's not scoring every time they touch the ball, and you know, Stanford scores a little, and you know, they win by lose by twenty four, and you cover the spread. Right. I think that's sort of what we're banking on that one. 
Totally. Uh, all right. Well, I should pick something different from you. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll just do whatever this one is. All right. The last game, Pac-12 after dark. We got number seven. Washington Huskies. They're now the highest ranked uh, team in the AP. Uh, they jumped one spot ahead of USC. Uh, they are on the road in the desert taking on Arizona Wildcats. Yeah. So this game is at um, 7 p.m on the Pac-12 network as well. Uh, number seven, Washington traveling to Tucson to take on Arizona. Arizona is currently an 18 and a half point dog. Um, yeah. So again, it's sort of like the same situation as Oregon and uh, Stanford in that if you gave me this on a neutral field, I would have Washington winning by 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it's at Arizona. Here, you talk for a second because I'm going to look up the Washington-Arizona series. Yeah, you do that. Real quick, I forgot to mention, so Oregon, their little stat is seeking their first 5-0 start since 2013. And for Stanford, they are trying to snap an eight-game losing streak versus ranked teams. The last win versus a ranked team was uh, December 2nd, 2021, when they beat number three, Oregon. Uh, 31-24 in Stan at Stanford. Um, actually, they're calling it Stanford, California. I think they don't call it Palo Alto anymore. Uh, but you remember that was the one where like uh, Oregon's like offensive coordinator was sick or something like yep. that. But Stanford's one and nine in their last ten games versus AP ranked teams. Wow. Yeah. You know what? So it's not Arizona that Washington actually has as much trouble with. Arizona State. It's right. Arizona State. But it's still so Arizona is the one that Oregon has trouble with. Yes, I think Oregon goes there. Oregon historically has issues with Arizona. Okay, so that does change things a little bit. Um, but the last uh, 2021, they lost, uh, Arizona lost by five in this game. Um, the, the games in Arizona are generally pretty competitive. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hmm. Tony in the chat says, uh, oh, wait, this was the wrong comment. Let me uh, pull mm. this up. He says, uh, Washington has bad luck in Arizona. Dogs go back home in defeat. He's calling for the upset. Give me Arizona. Yeah. And the points. I'm taking the points, too. I just feel it's safer, like, if I'm trying to, you know, after we're trying to win these bets. Uh, I'm well, bet we also just got a Jaden Delora bad game, which it means if he plays, which is still Yeah, uncertain. do we know if he's... No, we don't know. Uh, but, but you, I think you feel confident either if he plays, he gets the bounce back game. Yeah. Or if he doesn't good. play better you know well and FIBA. washington's secondary looked a little leaky against oh cal. cal was doing i mean cal was doing stuff so against but arizona has not created explosive plays at the same rate that they created them last year right so you know can they get more explosives in a game against a somewhat leaky secondary is probably the the it's probably the story of the game if they're able to do that they can hang for a little bit and keep this within, you know, 17 or so. But if they don't, if they miss their shots, if uh, Delora throws a bunch of picks as he's wont to do, then it could be a blowout. Uh, but yeah, let's take Arizona. Yeah, we have EVS saying, uh, hmm, Cal did put up 500 yards of offense in the dogs last week. Okay. For Cal to have 500 yards of offense is something. Yeah, know? I don't care when it happened, right? Last week? I, I don't care when it happened in the game. Oh, yeah, it did happen late, but they were they were down early and stuff, so. Yeah, I think so. We'll do another week of us kind of agreeing on things. Um, I like I like these picks. I think there's just it's weird. Weird things can happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like we're both on the same page on a lot of these. So we'll kind of see where. 
we also have to do our survivor pool. Um, so we mentioned this before. Both uh, Dave and I will be taking uh, Oregon this week. So Dave has Oregon. I have Oregon. Put in your picks. Please don't put in picks if you've got something wrong or if it's your first week. If you're not, if you haven't done it every week and you haven't been right every week, don't enter your picks because that screws up things for Matthew. So, um, yeah, uh, just do that. Go put your picks in there. And uh, you got till Friday, you know, before game time, unless you don't want to pick someone like that. But, um, yeah, so it should be good. Hopefully get your picks in. Dave and I both take Oregon. We, I think, yeah, it's like it was kind of a week that you kind of needed somebody safe. And I think we both felt there was enough upset potential with Washington that we went with the Ducks. Yeah, better to go with safe than uh, be sorry. Right. Well, it's, it's not like Stanford hasn't done this before. So, like, you know. I mean, Stanford was bad two years ago, and they beat a good Oregon team. So it's not like it's unprecedented. Okay. Uh, anything else? About these football games? Yes. No. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. We got a lot of questions to get to. So come back, and we'll do it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All righty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. You know what we do here? We talk Pac-12 football. And it's glorious right now. We are in the golden age of Pac-12 football. <laughs> it's just, it's short-lived. The it's death gonna, throws. It's, yeah. Uh, we don't, what's a, like, what's a short-lived uh, but glorious like empire, like historically? What, 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 what can we compare this to? I mean, Alexander's. Was not that long, right? It didn't last very long. No, but no. like, yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, the Pac-12 was like Alexander conquering the world. I love it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 
We got to get to some questions. I think the one we left off with was uh, Tag in Salt Lake City. Let's talk about sax, baby. Yeah, I love that, the way you're saying that. He says, uh, Ryan and Dave, as I'm sure you're acutely aware, Dante Moore spent a lot of the game against Utah on his backside, especially on the last drive of the game when UCLA could have scored to force overtime. The last play of the game for UCLA was a sack by Sione Vaki to force a turnover on fourth down. There should be a name for this sack, a game-ending walk-off sack, a sack-off, if you will. My personal favorite sack-off was from Utah, Arizona State 2021, where the game ended on a triple sack-off after Jaden Daniels, who should have come to Utah, converted on fourth and nine, down 14 points late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Junior Tafuna got a sack, followed by back-to-back sacks by Devin Lloyd, followed by the clock expiring. A triple sack-off. Uh, do you like this term? And should the ending of the Utah-UCLA game count as a triple sack-off if there was a third-down completion in between sacks by Jonah Ellis and Logan Fano prior to the aforementioned uh, Vaki game ender? I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, gents. Tag in Salt Lake City. I would call it a triple sack-off. I like that. Um, and the shocking thing to me is that this is the second time in uh, 10 years that Utah has done something very, very similar to UCLA. Uh Throw your memory back to 2014 for a second. UCLA, riding high. Top of the world. Jim Mora? Jim Mora, baby. Uh, They're number eight in the country. Utah comes to town. Uh, They win 30-28. Here's a drive at the end of the game. So Utah's up 24-21. to It's 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Can I read to you the play-by-play? Yes, go right ahead. First and 10, UCLA 21. Brett Hundley sacked by Nate Orchard for a loss of six yards to the UCLA 15. Second and 16 at the UCLA 15. Brett Hundley sacked by uh, C.S.A. Yanu for a loss of five yards to the UCLA 10. Third and 21 at the UCLA 10. Brett Hundley sacked by Andre Godfrey and Jared Norris for a loss of nine yards to the UCLA 1. Yeah. yeah that's that was, that was that's a triple sack-off. I've seen this before. I've yeah. seen this movie before. Is that where it ended? Or uh, no, no, no. There was more after that, so it wasn't quite the sack-off, oh, but okay. it was a very similar experience. Um, I like sack-off. I think it's very good. I think it is very Utah-specific, <laughs> at least in my memory. Um, but I, I do like it, and I do – I think there, there needs to be something to collect the other two sacks into that. Because they were just as impressive as the last one. Right. Um, and I that first one was a killer. Well, and defense is so much a collective effort. So you don't want to just credit the one guy at the end. Um, yeah. And three sacks in a row to end the game. That's a uh, that's quite the feat. That was pretty good. Um, uh, but you know who doesn't have quite the feat? Anybody who? anybody of UCLA's left tackles. Oh. Yeah. You see what I did there? And no one gets to see my yeah. feet because we didn't get a super chat. Yep. Yeah. Um, no one gets to see Ryan's I don't remember feet. you at the end of the – like. Arizona State, like USC got a bunch of sacks really late in that one. So I don't know if they got, if they were sack. I can look at this sheet. It didn't matter know. though. No, one, no. It wasn't. One score game is where it matters. Right. Okay. So that would be yeah. the bigger deal. All right. You want to All do- right. This is from Garrett, USC class of 2023. Oh. TV broadcasters, Ryan and Dave. Garrett here from Orange, California. Longtime listener, love the show. I have had time. How can he be a longtime listener? He's a child. Uh, well, people listen to us as children. Um, I mean, he was in school for four years. He could have been listening for a literal baby. Uh, he just graduated. So congrats I, on graduating. I mean, he could be a non-traditional student. Could you get into UCLA right now? Me? Like, like your grades from high school. Would you get into UCLA now? 
so my grades then wouldn't have gotten me in. It was the <laughs> National Merit Scholar that got me in. Nice. Um, I was like top 25 in my class, but I wasn't like top 10. And even then it was like, you got to be top 10. So now, I mean, it would be luck of the draw whether my National Merit Scholar would do it. Gotcha. But I okay. would get National Merit Scholar again, bitch. Really? Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what was uh, it? It's when you dominate the practice SAT. <laughs> oh, okay. Very cool. Yes. You're good at that shit, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Okay. Yeah, you know, and it pisses people off. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't take a class. I didn't study for that. <laughs> no, I just crushed it. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, I have had time recently to be watching way more Pac-12 games on Saturday, aside from my alma mater, USC. How do you deal with these TV announcers? Aside from maybe the headline games, the TV announcers time and time again say things that are suspect and flat out false. They do this with all the teams. I'm assuming you're watching multiple games at a time. You both obviously have way more insight into this conference than these TV analysts do. They sound like they're just given some cheat sheet of facts and spit them out randomly during games. I constantly tell my wife, he's got to be a non-traditional student. He's married and just graduated. Very wow. cool for him. I wish there was a way to turn off the announcers and just have some game sounds. So my question for you is, how do you handle this? This is a great question. It is. Uh, to be fair, like, I've been at all the games. So, I mean, if I'm watching other games, I, I mean, I'm not really nitpicking what the announcers are saying. You're watching more of the UCLA games and, you know, the team you know most about. But a lot of times these guys fly in, like, on Thursday and learn some stuff about the team and then they start talking and then they leave, you know. And so it's not like they're... They, they weren't studying this team all year. It's, you know, they've studied this team for a few days usually. Yeah. So what I would say here is um, like with, remember when I was telling everyone how to um, interpret the reporting about the PAC 12 and how there's always information to be gained, even if the information you're hearing is false, because unless you think that these people are just making it up, it gives you information about who their sources are. Invariably, the TV broadcasts are getting this stuff from the coaches. Yes. So if it's something that doesn't fit your understanding of the team that you follow, it gives you insight into maybe how the coaches' uh, impressions of things differ from your own understanding of reality. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, UCLA, uh, the announcers for the first UCLA game said uh, Chip Kelly had told them Logan Loya was going to play a huge role in the receiving core this year. Our impression of Logan Loya was that he was maybe fifth in the receiver rotation. And what's turned out to be happening is that they are really directing a lot of passes to Logan Loya. Okay. Um, and so it gives you some insight. Oh, okay. So if they think that, that means this this offense is going to be quite a bit more slot-oriented than we were thinking based on having J. Michael Sturdivant and Kyle Ford. Um, but you can gain some insight from these things, even if you don't think they are correct. Now, sometimes they'll just screw something up. They'll screw up a name or whatever. And that's just bad homework. These guys have a lot to do. I, I don't, I try not to harp on it too bad unless they're like really given strong opinions that are wrong. Um, like the color guys annoy me more than the like overworked, um, you know, play by play, play guy yeah. who's just, they're doing their best. But sometimes it's, it's very, very difficult with, um, all the games they're asked to do and all the names they have to learn, you're going to get some wrong. Uh, we had a Turk uh, trunk says Tim Brando is annoying. I think he's done a couple of USC games. Um, there was definitely a lot of USC fans that were sort of critical of what he was saying. He doesn't do his homework um, and he hasn't for a long time. Yeah. And, but you know, and I think when you're talking about like, if people think announcers are biased against your team, like maybe sometimes like Spencer Tillman went to Oklahoma. Does he have a beef against, Lincoln, I don't know. Maybe I mean there could be some stuff like that, but for the most part, they're rooting for like a good game. So if there's a 
huge like the you know the Oregon Colorado game like you're hoping that they keep it close you don't want it to be a blowout you want it to be close if you're calling that game so more people watch now a lot of people watch that game anyway um but yeah but I, I think Tim Brando at the end was sort of like critical of USC a lot of the game and then that said something like very positive about Alex Grinch at the end so it, he really made USC fans upset for he that was one. he was bizarre it felt like he had um he had real interest in the line on that game really um, okay yeah that's how it felt to me um but i would say like just generally with um a lot of these announcers they're doing the best they can i would say like there's some who are i, I think petros when he calls a game is really good i think he's put in a really bad position by the fact that either by his decision or fs1 he's it seems like he's rarely actually at the games anymore oh yeah. uh, and he's calling them remotely um, it seems like a lot of times they don't have the best view of the field, and I don't know how many of these games are called remotely anymore, but like it's when you're in a position where you're sitting watching the TV feed at home and you have a better idea of what just happened on a play than the announcing team, and they're not providing any additional explanation or any additional information beyond what you can see, that's where you get into frustrating bits. Like um, there was a play this weekend where it was um, an obvious forward pass. I forget which game it was. It was an obvious forward pass where it looked like a pitch, but it was an obvious forward pass live. And they called it a fumble and uh, a return for a touchdown on the field. But watching it live, I was like, no, that's a forward pass. And it took the announcers until the refs actually started to review it before they even acknowledged that bit of it. And it's like, that's where you're kind of failing, where yeah. you don't have... Um, uh, you're 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 not paying enough attention, I think, to like what's going on on the field, and you're like too focused on whatever's getting routed into your ears that you're missing some key action. I think that's the part where people get frustrated because it's if it's stuff you can observe with your own eyes, and the announcers are late on it, it just feels low rent. It feels like not worth your time, and that's you know I, I think maybe going back to the basics with some of these announcing teams where it's like provide. Provide something extra. Provide something that's going to provide, you know, something additional for the uh, people listening rather than just white noise. Right. Um, when we have uh, Chris says, I listen to KABC for USC games. Yeah, I would encourage you to listen to your local um, radio feed. You could do that online usually. Like I did that in the car, like on the way to the one of the games. Um, so I would listen to, you know, whoever's, you know, if it was Washington's. Uh, local feed of the game, you can listen to that too and like watch the TV copy. And sometimes it's hard to match up. I used to do that in the press box, David. They used to have like live radio things that you could buy and like listen to the game. It's tough if you're listening to the radio. Sometimes it's like ten seconds delayed. You're watching the game, but I kind of like having like the radio broadcast when I'm because we get like a different. We're not getting the TV feed, but we're getting the press box stuff. Like there's some stuff we hear in the press box, but on the radio sometimes they have interesting um tidbits and stuff too so um i don't know if you ever did that or if you listen no but um no i i don't like to that that would be really really hard for me i can barely pay attention to two games at once and so like paying attention to the same game but one part of it is on delay while i'm trying to watch would drive me insane no but with we could get it a lot of times where it was live. So you would, like, so if you're listening, sometimes the radio guys, like we would get injury updates from like the radio sideline person before right. like the TV sideline person. Jim says Petros did back-to-back -back games last Saturday from Pico Boulevard on FS1. So yeah. I didn't realize that, that he did back-to-back. -back. Now that's gotta be tough. Well, it's, it's tough. It's putting a lot of demands on him and also not being there is removing one of the advantages of having an announcing team. 
Um, like I think Petros is really good. I mean, I think there's you know his his, his career has. I mean, it's been interesting. I, I feel like he should have had more opportunities, but because um, he's really insightful, he's a good analyst. But it's just um, you know he, uh, you're you're diminishing uh, his potential when you don't put him there. Yeah, no, I think you'd rather have him there. Uh, and Chris also says you could watch like the U- the YouTube stream or you watch stream and then the radio broadcast it. It's little, you know, it could be closer. Uh, Frank in Sacramento says a crappy win will cost you a lot. Arizona State is the worst team ever. I don't know about that. Uh, beating them cost USC to fall the most. He says three points, but I think it means three spots. Of all the top, of all the teams in the top fifteen who won their games, Florida State dropped one point after winning their game, and Notre Dame fell two points after losing. And he shows like the AP poll. I think a lot of it was just there were some big wins too around it. Like it's, I think it's not just. USC didn't look impressive against Arizona State. Like you had, how much do you think was Lincoln Riley's poopy diaper earlier in the week? <laughs> how much was that? Yeah, um, this is a media poll. Just it saying. is. They could just. I'm just saying that I, people have brought that up. That it does like, not. It does not behoove you to get a poopy diaper with the media. It yeah. just doesn't. Um, and they vote on these things. I don't think it matters, but a lot of the teams, you know, to get like. For Ohio State to win at Notre Dame, like they're going to jump up. You know, there's just there's things like that happen. So, um, all right, let's see what's up next. Next, oh. we have uh, from Bobby, the most annoying thing about USC. This should be a long one. Uh, <laughs> hi, Ryan and Dave. Let's be honest. There's probably an endless list of annoying things about USC: the poopy diaper coach, the bandwagon fans, the band's two songs that never stop. But I have to say, the most annoying thing is their squadron of towel men. What is their backstory? It seems like they've had a legion of towel men that have survived several coaching staffs. Like a new coach comes in and is like, yeah, I want like five to ten super bros running around whipping towels all over the place. That's cool. Anyway, my faith in life, love, and football is restored after Killingham took over play calling and Ward outcoached poopy pants. Thanks, guys. Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. I really don't know. Um, do you like the towel waivers? No, I'm not a big fan of that stuff, but you know, they're just trying to get people fired up. I you guess. know what it reminds me of not it, my favorite. Thing. It reminds me of, um, and I'm sure this is many defensive back crews in the world, but it reminds me sort of, of, um, where UCLA's defensive backs under Jim Mora, especially towards the end would make a tackle on like a receiver who just got 15 yards, but they would make a tackle and then they would be doing like the full celebration, like showing their guns doing like the land shark thing, like doing the whole deal. And it was like this really outside celebration for a really mundane play. And that's almost invariably when they show the towel waivers because it's on the sideline, right? Right. So it's a play that went out of bounds. Like it went to the sideline and you see them just losing their mind over like a seven yard gain. And it's just, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. I like their work. Um, It's not even close to the most annoying thing about USC, but it's very good. (laughs) Nice. Um, let's play one of the voicemails. Uh, we'll start with this one. Hey, this is uh, Rob in Seattle. Um, uh, however, I'm not in Seattle at the moment. Uh, a week or two ago on the podcast, um, the Eastern Roman Empire, Byzantine Empire, was uh, briefly discussed. And um, I, at this exact moment, am standing in front of the Hagia Sophia um, in Istanbul, Uh these current rendition built by Justinian, although it dates back to, I believe, the fourth or fifth century. Um, and uh, I just thought, 
this was the most inappropriate phone call I could make from this location. Because uh, as big of a fan as I am of your podcast, it just seemed uh, wildly inappropriate. But because of that, I felt like it had to happen. So uh love the podcast. It's being listened to in Istanbul. Uh, and now you have an official connection between the Byzantine Empire and the podcast. Go dog. Amazing. Wow. Gotta so, love our international callers. So good. I mean <laughs> that, that's great. Where you're 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 at this like just I mean, one of those places in the world that probably just leaves you gobsmacked. Mm. You're just you're without words. I mean, it's this beautiful, gigantic building, like full of so much history. This this city, the city of the world's desire, Istanbul, How many? Constantinople, and you're like I need, to call, I need to call that shitty podcast I listen to. <laughs> I need to let them know where I am. Like the kind of battles that were, you know, like over. The, oh, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. The only thing that could conquer that city was gunpowder. <laughs> and you're calling our podcast. Wow. I love it. Lo- I love yeah. it. That's so called cool. being influencers. That, I mean, we don't know if he really was there, but I feel he was there. No, that was there. I mean, he was in hushed tones. Because he was, he was, he was both. This is awesome, but also semi embarrassed that he was doing yeah, it. Yeah, why am I doing this? Yes, it was incredible. Please, no one know that I, you know, I'm not. Yeah, that was awesome. That was he, awesome. Did he give a little go dogs at the end? Go dogs. Yeah, it's probably a good time. Like, he's not going to miss any huge. You know, he's got to get back before Washington, Oregon. Yeah, he's right? got to get back by the 14th, right? Yeah, is that the 14th? Get, mm, I think it so. It's uh, let's see. It might be the seventh. We have a it schedule is, right now. No, it's 14th. Yeah. 14th. Very That's nice. a big weekend because uh, USC's at Notre Dame, Oregon's at Washington. Um, yeah. Oregon yeah. State's at UCLA. No. Oh, no. Reverse U- it. UCLA's it. at Oregon State. Yeah. yeah, that seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if it, was, if it was the other way, it would be better. But no. Colorado Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a great week. You know, Colorado, Stanford. Arizona, Washington State. Yeah, baby. But a couple of big ones. All right. Uh, this is from Peter in Vancouver. TV money for the Pac-12. Gentlemen, some questions for you both about potential TV money for the Pac-12 schools given the success on the field so far this year, plus the number of players that are in the Heisman conversation and the hype around Colorado. First, if the Pac-12 had this level of success last year, would they have been able to get a better TV deal than the original offer from ESPN or the offer from Apple? Would it have been good enough to keep the remaining teams from leaving the conference? I think yes. Like, if I this maybe happened in, like, 2021. Like give maybe, me two years, yeah. Yeah. Give me 2021, and I think the entire complexion of the conversation changes, changes drastically. And people won't admit that. They'll be like, no, TV markets, that's why. But no. If if the cachet of Colorado coming out of 2021 was what it is now, if Washington had this huge hype train around uh, Michael Penix and everything they're doing under Kalen DeBoer, uh, if Oregon had this energy under uh, Land Danning then um, – I mean, even if USC had Lincoln Riley then, I think not only would you have gotten a better TV deal, but maybe the conversations with USC and UCLA don't get so advanced with the Big Ten. Um, Like, there's just so many different things if the Pac-12 had not had just a few disaster seasons in a row. Um, And unfortunately, they did. Yeah. Uh, Second, if they had this level of success two years ago, oh, do you think it would have kept USC and UCLA from bolting to the Big Ten? Or would they have still thought that they would not get as much as they, as much as if they left for the Big Ten, and they'd rather do that than try to keep the conference together? 
the TV deal would have been better. I mean, I think they would have gotten maybe uh, a you know closer to a guaranteed fifty million dollars a year if they had uh, stuck around. Yeah, I think there was potential for. Okay, the TV, they if they if USC and UCLA realized the TV deal is going to be better, then they could. I think they just were going to walk away because they didn't think even if they got a bigger portion of it, it was going to work. So maybe in that scenario, they're like, "All right, we're going to get more money, but we want as the LA market more money than everybody else." And then it could be up to the rest of the. At the time, you're not thinking that they would really leave. So if the rest of the schools are like, no, you get the same as everybody else, then I think they would still probably leave. But I, would, I think it would open up the opportunity to get like an uneven revenue share and then they might stick around for that. I, I think tough. there's – so there, this is kind of the same thing I'm talking about. Is like I think people underestimate how much um, – and this is going to sound weird, but how much like just the vibe affects things. Like it felt like a dead conference. Yes. Like it felt like a dead conference. So – you feel like you're leaving a sinking ship. But if you're leaving after 2021, like just put in this season then, right? Yeah. You're leaving after 2021 where you had eight Pac-12 teams ranked, where um, you've got a bunch of juice from a bunch of other teams in the league. You've got Colorado doing its thing. I think it's just a different feel to it. Like I think there'd be a bigger PR blowback for both schools if they elected to leave at that point. Um, and I think the the idea that you would leave a conference that is actually has the potential now to be a CFP contender year in and year out, you know, it's just you've got a different feel about it than you did in 2021 as it was. Like, yeah. Where it felt like none of these programs have potential and none of them are going to break through. Now it feels like uh, legitimately three of these teams and Utah if it ever got healthy, but three of these teams are legitimate playoff contenders. And who knows, like Washington State could be too. Yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, finally, for each of the current Pac-12 teams, given the expected contracts for 2024, are they getting more than they're probably worth or less than or about what they're worth? I mean, depends on your definition of worth. Yeah. Because, I mean, so UCLA is getting overpaid for its performance, um, but for the value of its market, I don't know. But they're going to be getting overpaid for their performance. Um, USC will be paid about what it's worth. Uh, Oregon is probably underpaid. I think Oregon and Washington are going to be underpaid. Yeah, they're both underpaid. Cal Stanford probably underpaid. Well, come on. Let's not go too far. Uh, but I think all the Big 12 schools going probably about what they're worth. I mean, I think Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, let's say one thing for George Klyavkov. Uh He wasn't wrong about the media value that Deion Sanders could potentially bring. Um, like the the eyeballs on all Colorado stuff is insane. Yes. And he wasn't wrong about that. And uh, they would have brought some significant value. And I think they will bring some significant value to the Big 12 as long as he's there. Yeah, that blowout game at Oregon, I think, had a number that was very similar to, it was like 10 million it was, viewers. According like, to Nielsen, it was higher than the Ohio State Notre Dame. And according to other metrics, it was slightly lower. But it was right in the same way. It was in the ballpark of it. Yeah. That's uh, I insane. mean, talking to friends like you know we have friends that aren't sports people and when they know about Deion Sanders uh I was at Top Golf last night and person I was with not a big sports fan and there was like the 30 for 30 with Dion on there and she knew what was she knew about Dion I was like whoa okay cuz um, she doesn't really know about college sports but um people know about it cuz it's Dion and it's it's a big deal 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Alex and SF, uh, insane sports bloggers. Hello, Dave and Ryan. Dave on Twitter this week, much like the Night King in Game of Thrones, rose the dead from the ground and summoning the former dictator, I mean moderator, of Bruins Nation. We're going to have to get a backstory on this one. Ryan, did you have any run-ins with Conquest Chronicles back in the day? And would Dave like to share any stories from his college days sparring with the most unhinged corner of the Bruin interwebs. Never stop tweeting, Dave, Alex, and SF. Um, I'll go I'll go quick and then get your, like, we need to know the story here. Uh-huh. Uh, that Like, every once in a while, someone would, like, post, like, a picture that was yours and, like, take off the watermark. But for the most part, I've not, I don't engage the same way Dave does, to be fair. But um, little things, like, maybe over the years, but nothing, like, uh, I've never had, like, a huge feud there's been people on the beat that I don't like that I don't talk to, but for the most part, like the blogger people, like I, I'm really get along with the reign of Troy folks. They're great. Um, you know, they do a podcast and all that stuff. I haven't really had a much interaction with like conquest chronicles. Um, but yeah, so nothing really big. Well, so first side note, before I get into the Bruins nation stuff, cause that's kind of a funny story. Um, Side note is uh, what you said about me engaging more. I think a lot of times people attempt to troll me like I'm a traditional member of the media. Oh, And it's always like that scene in The Watchmen where Rorschach is in prison and then he starts screaming, um, uh, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Because then I'll just engage with them to the point. And I've done this several times now where I've gotten somebody who initially – like they're running some anonymous account that's like – uh, idiot dude, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Um, I get them where they're they're like an account that like follows a thousand people, has two followers, and I get them to block me eventually <laughs> because I annoy them so bad. I get to them so bad, so just don't don't do it. Um, uh, don't mess I, with the master. I got time. Here. I got time. I got two children. I have to go to a lot of their sporting events. They're sometimes boring, so I'm. I got time. Yeah. Uh, on all right, now, so the story of Bruins Nation. So first, I'm going to give backstory on Bruins Nation. Okay, Bruins Nation had. Um, uh, uh, so it was the main SB Nation blog for UCLA, uh, and it was right around the same time all the SB Nation blogs started. But it was one of the earlier ones. It was like right around 2003, 2004. Okay, became a big deal. It was like the the leading free voice on UCLA sports, aside from. Obviously, bro for uh, for premium stuff, and it was led by these pseudon- pseudonymous um, uh, posters. One was Nestor, one was Menelaus, one was Tide Eyed. So you knew what kind of shit you were getting into. A bunch of ridiculous idiots who uh, <laughs> signed up under uh, old Greek mythology names, and they thought they were very self important. But they also had like weird, like look, I'm not a big fan of Carl Durrell. Uh, wasn't a big fan of uh, many of UCLA's coaching hires. They had an almost pathological hatred of Carl Durrell and that entire era. Um, and I, as a student journalist, uh, wrote a couple of things uh, at different points, which were just like basically, um, you know, like, hey, here's what Carl Durrell's doing. And it's the student journalist shit. It's not very good. But it's just like, uh, yeah, they haven't been very good, but they might be good at this. And they would like get eviscerated by Bruins Nation because they were searching for content every day. So I would go in there and I would dive into the comments and you know basically talk some, talk my shit. But fast forward, uh, this past week, um, I, I got into it with my my former friend Nestor again on Twitter, okay. um, and uh, he's currently defending Chip Kelly, um, which is just such a switch. 
can't imagine why, you know, opposed to Carl Durrell uh, defending Chip Kelly. But anyway, uh, Bruins Nation uh, went dead uh, more or less in the last like five or six years. Um, okay. And because all those SBA Nation sites went dead. But yeah, blog of kind of malevolent shitheads for a really long time. Blog of malevolent shitheads. Uh, I don't know if Conquest Chronicles is still around. Um, I mean, I don't really get to go check a lot of that stuff out. Uh, I don't see it up there. Like, there's like a fight on page. I think a lot of those, the people who run those sites, they went independent and started their own things because SB Nation stopped play, paying contributors because SB Nation is a piece of shit. Uh, uh, they're awful, uh, the people who run them. Um, Vox. Was it Vox? I think it was Vox. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Bruins Nation, it was just like um, – just the worst, like the worst possible people to be running a community like that. And they were like, it was like full on like 1984 type shit where they would just like ban anybody who had a differing opinion from their very, very, very strident opinion that Carl Durrell sucked ass. Oh, I, I just went to Conquest Chronicles. Uh, Sam Darnold's on the front page. Um, yeah, no, uh, Bruins Nation right now is from 2021. Yeah, it's like Slovis Jackson among projected 2022 first round picks. So yeah, so I think those those just died. Yeah, um, which I didn't know that. So thanks for uh, thanks for pointing that out. Um, all right, that was me. Okay, so I guess this one's you. Yeah, this is from Tom in the Cayman Islands. USC Ooh. quarterbacks. Hi, Ryan and David. If you had to choose, which do you think had more entertainment value? Mark Sanchez's butt fumble or Caleb Williams getting hit in the Huevos Rancheros by an errant snap? Fight on, Tom. Uh, I'm playing that for you if you're watching us on uh, YouTube. <laughs> that one was pretty funny. Um, um, the butt fumble had more long-term value. Um, getting hit in the nuts, though, I mean, there have been whole like comedy industries built on uh, on people getting hit in the nuts. So... That's pretty funny all the time. Uh, but the butt fumble, I think, was so unique that it has to take the cake. You know what's cool? Like, uh, I think it was – I forget which week it was. It was I think the Bills, maybe they lost, and uh, Josh Allen, like, fumbled, like, ran into his offensive lineman and fumbled, and Mark Sanchez tweeted, like, oh, weird. The quarterback ran into his own team and fumbled. That, that's weird. Something like that. And it, like, it, got, it went a little viral. So he was, you know, kind of poking fun at it. Mark's actually really good. Like, if you've – I've seen him on – like the herd or him doing games, I think he's doing a really good job of uh, making that transition to uh, yeah. announcer and stuff. I would say there's um, Max Brown. I don't think he's been he's he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's like perfectly competent. He's good, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like perfectly solid, um, and so a lot of room to grow there. He's not doing anything super annoying, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times those quarterbacks do a pretty good job at it, um, which is weird, you know. You think those guys dummies? They don't know anything about the game. I mean, you got yeah. There's a lot of charisma there, so I think you, you know, the camera presence can be good. Yes, they've had uh, a lot of media training by the point <laughs> that they're on camera calling a game. Yeah, let's do another voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Uh, I'm curious after last week's game versus USC, um, what you guys really think of the state of Arizona State's football program? Um, seems like with some of the close ones that they've had and some of the losses that they've had this year. The, they're really a, a downtrodden program, um, as you guys described, right, right up there with uh, worst in the league with Stanford. Um, but kind of seeing how they were moving the ball against USC, I kind of got the impression that, um, you know, they're like what Arizona was a few years ago where they were a little bit short on talent, but with a good offensive scheme, they can really give some teams trouble. So I'm wondering, do you think that was just a one-game blip against uh, a 
what might end up being a, a pretty bad USC defense, or is it a lot worse than uh, than what people think? Thanks, guys. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> I think him call Kenny Dillingham calling the plays is much better. But then why is Bo Baldwin there? Like, yeah. So that seems a little weird. I think there have been some more own goals scored by ASU than there were by Arizona in that first year. And if you remember that Arizona team, yes, they lost to an FCS. Um, yes, Oof. they lost 11 games, but BYU was a one-score game. Northern Arizona was a one-score game. Um, uh, Washington was a one-score game. USC was a one-score game. They beat Cal. Uh, Utah was a nine-point game. Um they were they were competitive. They were they were more competitive generally than ASU has been so far. Um, and ASU's schedule right now, bad Oklahoma State team shut out by Fresno State. Like nothing like the Fresno State shutout really happened. That in was Arizona. bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the own goal was was hiring Bo Baldwin. I think if we were going in and we were saying, hey. Kenny Dillingham's calling his own plays. They're going to be creative offensively, but they lack talent. And, you know, they lose 29-14 to Fresno State, and they lose the same way they lost to USC. It'd be a different complexion. I just don't like the own goal. Like, you didn't need to do that. Um, and, yeah, he's young. I mean, he's going to figure it out to some extent. But that just kind of – do you know what you were hired for? It was to play your hits. And yeah. Your hits were, you know, running a dynamic offense at Oregon. So do that. Don't hire, again, one of Cal's shittier offensive coordinators from the last 20 years uh, as your OC. Calling yeah. plays. No, I would agree with you there. Um, this is from Scott. Okay. Questions. Uh, hello, Ryan and Dave. Just want to give a quick thanks for creating one of my favorite podcasts. Please keep up the great work after this season. Questions. Who would win in a tag team cage match? Lee Corso and Lou Holtz versus Jake Dicker and Ryan Day. If the geezers win, they can have a seat in Congress with their peers. If Dickert and Day win, Dickert gets to pick a new conference and everyone has to tell Day he's super duper tough and his beard look, definitely looks natural. <laughs> what say you? It does look like it's created with shoe polish, right? It does look weird, yeah. Uh, like he's also Lego. got like weird black beady eyes too. On top of the like, everything is like black on his face, like all the beard hair, the hair on top of his head. And he's got these super black eyes. Um I think the better competition would be Lee Corso and Jake Dickert versus Lou Holtz and Ryan Day. Or actually, vice versa. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Lee Corso and Ryan Day versus Jake Dickert and Lou Holtz. I like that better. That one, I think, would be more interesting. I think Ryan Day probably takes the competition against Jake Dickert. He's got more mass. Yeah. He looks, he looks like more, a thicker guy. Ryan Day looks like a dwarf. He looks like he's mining the the the, the halls of Moria. Um so I think you know he's he's going to search for some mithril in the uh, in the bowels of uh, <laughs> bowels of, um, of of Moria and running into um, you know Balrogs. So um, <laughs> I can't remember all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think I think he's got more uh, more more mass, more ballast to him than Jake Dickert, and probably take that side of the competition. I would say uh, when I first read this, I thought it was talking about like tag, like you know the ta game tag. Um, Mentioned to Top Golf last night. We're waiting for our bay. You know, baseball's on TV. There was like tag. Like, did you ever seen this? I don't know what channel it was on the like, movie. No, it was like a competition. It was like from France or something. And it's like basically teams and two guys enter like what looks like a jungle gym, and they're like running through. One guy's running away. The other guy's trying to tag them. They'll like dive through like 
different obstacles and try to slide and tag the person. So one of I've never seen that before. One of the more outlandish, but I think correct ideas I have is that um, people should continue to play tag after whatever they stop, like the age of (laughs) twelve. Like, just continue to play tag the rest of your life. Like, it should be like the main recreational activity. No one would ever be out of shape. That's a good point. Like, I play tag with my kids, and I'm like, oh god. I might die after like 10 minutes of it. Um, you got to keep going. Yeah. But there was a movie, right? Where it was like based on these yeah, dudes yeah. that had like a. An ongoing game of like stupid tag. Like, oh, I'm going to tag you at your wedding. I'm going to fly to it. No, no, no. I'm talking about like an organized competition yes. of like playing tag out in a field. Gotcha. And just do that for like half an hour to an hour. Be great. Yeah. This Everyone was with all these like obstacles that you could <clears throat> kind of like run around or run over or jump through. It was like these guys were like parkouring through this thing and it was kind of crazy looking but stupid yeah two dave uh noticed you were recently highlighting chip kelly's record at ucla underrated amount of success to be honest um i'm curious what it would take for chip to actually be on the chopping block if he goes who would be your favorite replacements and why is kirk <laughs> slash brian ferentz near the top <laughs> okay point. we don't cover it on this show because we're not yet a big 10 podcast but the drive for 25 that i was having to do Some is of the best so good and all of the content on Twitter and Iowa fans just getting increasingly mad about it and all the people posting about it is so funny. And if you don't know, Iowa, um, uh, big nepotism uh, uh, situation Which Dave there, loves. Where Kirk Ferentz hired his stupid son to be his offensive coordinator and his stupid son is running one of the worst <laughs> offenses in college football. And they had to literally put in a clause in his contract that he will be fired if he does not hit 25 points per game. And they are well under that right now. They just got shut out by Penn State. They just got shut out by Penn State. And this uh, includes, like, if they get a punt return or an interception yeah. return, like, that counts. Like, they it need just to hit total points. Yeah, they need to hit a certain total points. It's like 325, 325 points. 325 points, and they are uh, trending not that way. But, like, if he makes it and you're like, well, 40 of those points were from the defense, you know, you're just like, okay, well, whatever. And the answer is not firing your offensive coordinator at that point. It's firing the uh, the the dad who hired him. Um, but anyway, uh, what would it take for actually Chip Kelly to be on the chopping block? So UCLA's schedule this year is very interesting. Um, and the other uh, the other uh, members of the league should be screaming mad about not only UCLA's but USC's schedule in that uh, UCLA and USC both get to play both Arizona schools and both Bay Area schools this year, which means they get four of the, I don't know, five weakest programs in the league between the two of them each. So UCLA has essentially three more games against good opponents. Uh, they have Washington State, Oregon State, and USC. Then they have one game against an opponent that is flawed but dangerous in Colorado. And then it's for the weaker teams in the league. One of them is Arizona that beat them last year. But um, it, it does change the threshold, I think, for when people would start getting up in arms about Chip Kelly. And I think it is they've got Washington State at home next week. And they've got Oregon State the week after that. If UCLA somehow gets swept through that stretch and they are three and three at the end of that, um, I think the tenor of the fandom may change a little bit. Um, I, I think people, I, I think there's not actually that much goodwill built up over the last two years, um, the nine and three and the eight and three or eight and four, sorry, um, that it would um, forestall a, a, a poor start to the year, um, starting some of the the bells ringing for people wanting change. So I think it's a really interesting spot UCLA is in. I think there's still a very good chance they could have a very good year if they sweep the next two games or even just split them. Uh, but I think there's also a pretty good chance that they get swept the next two games and there is a lot of pressure to sweep through the remaining cupcakes uh, because USC is looming like a 
like a supernova or a Death Star. Death Star. Oh. Yeah. All right, we'll cut that off. Um, All right, and then three. You both picked Wazoo to go five and seven earlier this year. Curious if you could share who you think Wazoo's final win will be. <laughs> UCLA. Yeah. No. Um, I think Wazoo's going nine and three at worst now. I think um, yeah, they look really good. Yeah. I mean, that offense plays. Uh, let's see. Let's do this. Let's reassess Washington State's schedule right now. So they go at UCLA, which I think is at worst a 50-50 game right now. I'll pull up my who I thought. Uh, where's Washington State? Okay. All right. Arizona at home. They should win that, no doubt. All right. So let's just count the sure wins right now. Arizona at home. That's five. Yeah. Uh, Oregon on the road. Uh, and then Washington State at Arizona State. That's six. Uh, Stanford at home. That's seven. Cal on Cal- the road. That's eight. Yeah. And Colorado at home. I'm going that's nine. Yeah. I think they're like a nine and three. And the, that's, maybe- n- that's nine and three minimum. Yeah. If they lose to Washington, Oregon. And uh, who's the other one? Uh, the other ones. Uh, so Washington, Oregon, and um, UCLA this week would be a 50-50 to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, definitely better. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if 10-2 and two happens. Um, kind of a stunning turnaround. Um, and I mean, then, they look really good. I mean, the offense went from dink and dunk to looking prolific, throwing down the field. Like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. They're going to be good now. And now number four. You, uh, lastly, do you think the door is completely shut for a current power conference to offer Wazoo a spot at some point? Thanks again for everything and go Kooks. The door's never shut, um, but it does seem shut for now. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, there were some rumors about like Clemson going. I think <coughs> we got so used to conference realignment stuff happening. Seems like that's kind of come to a halt uh, for right now. The, maybe the the playoff stuff will change things, and there's there's definitely a battle going on. You know, trying to get six at large bids. I think that when people are talking about that, like if there's only four power leagues, um, then your top ranked group of five team, the way things are shifting, there's not. It's not like there's going to be a top ten team. Like there'll probably be like nineteen or twenty. Then your second team that's going to get an automatic bid is probably an unranked team. So I think that's what they're trying to avoid. Um, you know, you could have had a Pac-12 team. Like you're, you know, your Pac-12 team, someone's going to be ranked uh, if they made it in. But now that the Pac-12 is gone, I see why the other conferences only want, um, you know, they don't want to have that extra uh, automatic bid. And I feel like if the, you know, the group of five leagues push back, when it comes to 2026 and beyond, they're going to be left out completely. So it's almost like you're trying to get get what you can for two years, and then after that, you'll be just shut out. So this is going to be really interesting. But how that plays out, I think, could impact the you know the you know what happens to Washington State, Oregon State too. Right. This is from Corey Pac-12 uh, Pod Dominance. Ooh, mm. hey Ryan and Dave. Uh, been a listener for years, but I have a gripe for this season. This used to be my go-to podcast for falling asleep. <laughs> Great. The banter over who is more mediocre, Helton or Chip, used to lull me to sleep peacefully. Now the Pac-12 is so juicy that listening to this wakes me up like a double shot of espresso. Still, I love the show. And today had an interesting realization. You guys have long been the best Pac-12 pod out there, really the only one when I found it. Uh, There's a few more now, but you two take the prize easily. Since the conference is ending, there's actually no chance of any additional Pac-12 pods. So it's fair to say you are locked in as the Pac-12 
12 podcasting goats. Congrats. It just goes to show that if you get specific enough, everyone can become the greatest in the history of mankind at something. <laughs> I love that. Love it. Uh, my question, with four teams in the top 10 and looking ahead at the schedule, do you see a scenario where we get multiple in the top five or four? I could see the winner of Washington, Oregon being really high. And if USC beats Notre Dame, they're super high. Utah has to go to Corvallis, but they'll keep climbing if they win. It would be awesome having a couple of top four for the college football playoff rankings when they start. Do you think this could happen at least temporarily before the cannibalism goes hard? Thanks, guys. Go Ducks. Corey. Yeah, it certainly could. Um, but I feel like I mean, I'm really worried for Washington now because I feel like whenever we start um, uh, sucking our own popsicles like this, uh, <laughs> something very, very bad and stupid happens. Yes. This is the Pac-12. Washington goes to Arizona and loses. Yeah. Uh, Utah goes to Oregon State and loses. Uh, USC does something very funny in Boulder. Yeah. Like there could be a lot of very funny things happen. I mean, Not funny for you, the fan Oregon, of Oregon losing at Stanford, that would be bad. Like, <laughs> could would you be... imagine all those things happen? You're like – the whole Pac-12 just like just if, oh my god, it would be so beautiful <laughs> if one last time we just got the the entire Pac-12 eliminating itself from the playoff in early in late September. That would be amazing. This is the first like usually by now it's eliminated. one team. One team has a chance still at this point usually, and like but almost eliminated. Yeah, and then they go. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's that's kind of crazy. I feel like if you're rooting for that. I think you need Utah to be one of them. I think Utah goes on the road and you got to win at Oregon State, get Cam Rising back with the bye week. Do they have a bye like coming right after that? Is that their bye? Where's uh, where's Utah's bye? They have yeah, they have a bye after this Oregon State game. Then they got Cal uh, and USC. USC on the road, so then you could but i think you need utah to sort of be one of those teams and get keep them going and being undefeated and then they have a shot but they play usc oregon and washington so i don't know that's tougher but oregon washington and usc all play each other too so there's going to be some cannibalism for sure but to to keep two of them up there who would have to be i guess washington state could be washington state could be one of them if they sneak up there right cuz they they play oregon they play washington but they don't play USC and they don't play Utah. So maybe if a USC, Utah, and like Washington State keep running it out, maybe that would be the one. Maybe. Okay. Uh, this is from Don Miguel. Uh, closed practices correction. Hey, guys. Love the pod and would like to see it transition into a regional Big Ten podcast. Plus, Wazoo and Oregon State next season. Screw the Bay Area schools, the Dirt People Desert schools, and the hippie and Mormon mountain dwellers. Oregon State and Wazoo are cool. They can stay. And I'm hoping the Big Ten can find it in their hearts to eventually adopt them. On to my slight correction for Dave. He said Chip opened the practices back up, which was a positive move, but Chip never closed the spring practices in his time in Westwood. I've attended at least three spring practices each season, or three practices each season since he's been at UCLA from Lot 8, except for 2020 due to uh, the pandemic. Um, Did you, he said election year. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the stupider posters on our board I gave him to ban. Um, yeah, you're right. So he has a, he's open spring. Yeah. All right, that's good. Um. Nice. All right. I think we got one more. Is that it? Right? Yes. Uh, oh, wait. No, we have two more. Uh, yeah, two more. There's two more. Okay. Eric. Uh, hey, Ryan and David. So there's three points and a suggestion. Um, one, I disagree with you about Lee Corso. Yes, he's not providing a co a cogent analysis, but he's a fun old guy who loves college football. He's basically the football counterpart to Dickie V and Bill Watson. These guys are a small part of what makes college sports unique 
and fun. I feel I might feel differently if he were a punchline, but I think both uh, Corso and most fans genuinely enjoy his presence. As long as that remains the case, what's the harm? You know, so um, Eric, it's a great point because I have complicated feelings about it. Um, I think there is a uh, part of our American culture, part of modern culture, is to try to hide illness and try to hide old people and try to hide the like um, natural decay of human life. You yes. know, you do end up dying and decaying and getting worse, and your faculties go away and these sorts of things. Um, at the same time, I, I I just don't know. I mean, there's the uh, I go back to the uh, Bruce Willis thing where uh, he was basically doing a bunch of movies for cash right before he got his dementia uh, yeah. uh, diagnosis. And okay, is he doing that? Is people propping him up uh, so that they can continue or so that he can continue to make money to support some things? Um, and that's the part where I'm just like, I don't know, I, I don't know, and it makes for. But I do have complicated feelings about it um, because I don't think it's the worst thing for people to, you know, every Saturday morning see somebody they've been watching for a long time and see them, you know, this is what a person sounds like after a stroke. Like this is what a person, you know, you know, and it's still they're still able to, you know, be a part of this thing in a very different way than they used to be. Um, so I don't know. It, I've got complicated feelings about it. And it's obviously not my position to uh, say which way it should go. But um we don't do a good enough job of it, uh, being around uh, and being comfortable talking about illness and death and these sorts of things. We've got this culture of essentially denying the possibility that those things will even happen to you. Um, so I do think it helps some people in some ways to be greeted with it. And I do think it makes people uncomfortable too. It's tough because the job you're doing when you're doing a role like this, like just us reading emails, like, you know, you're on TV, you're, there's an energy that needs to be there. There's a, a, a pace of how you're supposed to speak. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into these quicker sound bites and things that are happening. And he's not going to be very quick. You can't understand exactly what he's saying. Some of the times he can screw up the words and it makes it difficult. But I mean, the headgear thing is one of the coolest traditions and college football we've seen in the last 30 years. Uh, he's just been a big part of getting excited for college football Saturday. So I'm cool with him being like a part of it, but it, it's it's hard when you, you know, when he's trying to give some analysis and you know, like he's just, it's really hard for him to sort of convey his thoughts, you know? Yeah. And I would feel, I guess I would feel more stridently against it too if it seemed like he was uncomfortable or upset with himself uh, on TV because you yeah. don't want that. You don't want people putting themselves, but he doesn't appear to be. Like no. he appears like he's still enjoying it and still. And, you know, it's it's kind of lovely to see, you know, the way, uh, like, Kirk especially supports him in these things. And it's like, again, I think just like as a – from a human perspective, I think watching it is, like, valuable because you can see also, like, well, and this is what, you know, essentially, like, a certain form of caretaking looks like too. Like, and I think people can use that. Like, they can – they can that there's value in seeing that um, before it eventually happens to you or people you around you. All right, number two, on ESPN being largely to blame for the Pac-12 failing, shouldn't as much or more of the blame go to the Pac-12 presidents who told ESPN to take their reasonable offer and shove it while demanding Big Ten money based on flawed calculations of some idiot professor? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. Three, I am a Colorado fan, but I disagree a bit with some of the hate being thrown at Landanning this week. 
So I thought his comment about CU this summer after CU announced the move to the Big 12 was uncalled for. I don't have any issue with his behavior this week. If the situation was reversed, I'd want Coach Prime to do the exact same thing that Lanning did. Coaches need to motivate their team the best way they can. As a Denver Nuggets fan who occasionally tires of the national media attention given to the mediocre Laker teams, even though I actually like LeBron and AD, I can see how the Ducks might be miffed at all the attention CU has been getting. As far as accusations of running up the score, I've watched Colorado blow second half leads of 42 to 17 at Kansas in 2010 and 31 to 3 at Oregon State in 2018. I think coaches have an obligation to not call off the dogs until the other team is basically mathematically unable to come back. Thoughts? So I have no problem with what Lanning was doing. Uh, I do think uh, motivating your team is sort of like, um, you know, if you're like stranded in the desert, you got to use different kinds of fuels, right? Like sure. You got to go throw some grain alcohol in there and see what happens. Um, so I think... Like some camel dung on fire? Yeah. So uh, this... Um, this uh, I, I think Dion Sanders presents a great opportunity for coaches who are predisposed to go that kind of raw, raw, like super, you know, we're going to get this team ready to tear some heads off. I think it presents like a really easy opportunity. And I don't think that's something that Deion Sanders shies away from at all. Um, you know, they know they have a target on them because of who he is and because of the way he goes about his stuff. So I think using that is sort of the normal province of coaching. Um, I think it was interesting that it was so easily available in public. I think a lot of times, uh, slightly more circumspect coaches uh, like to keep that stuff behind closed doors, how they motivate their team and what kind of fuel they use to uh, get them amped up for a game. Um, but I also think it's very cool to have another coach who's kind of willing to let that side of him show. Um, and, you know, Land Danning, uh, on top of, um, I think, showing his chops as a coach last year in some situations, I think him being interesting um with like how he motivates a team and what he's willing to say publicly is also a good thing like being interesting and being a good coach is you know that's a good that's a good marriage for what is um a sport that's at least half entertainment if not more so um i had no problem with it and i had no problem with the way they called the game in fact um they could have poured it on more and they didn't um they they called off the dogs in the third quarter um and and kept that one from getting into uh, ridiculous territory. Yeah. They proved their point and then sort of like sat on that and they were cool with it. So I have no issue either. One last point he has, number four, one suggestion regarding your picks. You guys count all of your picks the same way. However, most betting folks wager on games they feel confident about rather than betting on every game. I'd be interested to see how you guys do picking against the spread in games you feel confident about. I think you should be able to designate as many or as few games each week as you wish, as picks you feel confident in, and keep a separate tally of how you do in those games. Just a suggestion. Uh, thanks from Eric. I'm I'm not good at that. Um, like the I, confidence I'm, I'm, thing? Yeah, I'm good at a broad-based thing, but oftentimes I run into the ones I'm more confident in don't go well. So, no. Yeah. we. I mean, we. I, I haven't really done that yet. Like, I've done a couple, like, parlays that i haven't hit like when like i'll pick like the two or three games i feel the most confident in for the week and usually one of them doesn't happen you know but uh i usually just you know i do one unit of whatever i'm betting uh, on every game and that's kind of go with that yeah all right last one this is from dave uh did cal get the worst pac-12 scheduling this year 
After watching the rivalry game this last weekend, it is clear to me Cal has some good things going for themselves, even though they couldn't stop Phoenix and the mighty men of Washington from bringing the golden bear from his mighty lair and hanging his carcass in the Northland. Had me surprised they didn't manage to beat Auburn. Uh, they seemed like a bull team to me, but looking at their schedule, they missed both Arizonas and Colorado, two teams who I can who I could see Cal running all day on. They don't. They play Arizona State this weekend. I think it says just both Arizona and Colorado, not Arizona, the Arizona. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Both Arizona and Colorado. Yes. Got it. Okay, sorry. Two teams who I could see Cal running on all day. Barring any major upsets, is this Pac-12 scheduling the difference between a 4-8 and eight Cal and a 6-6 six and six Cal? It's tough because you got, I mean, you already played Washington, uh, Oregon State and Utah, USC, Oregon, Washington State are three games in a row with a bye in the middle. Probably not a favorite in any one of those, right? Like that's, that's a tough, that's a tough stretch. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. Um, and I think we called this out even preseason. Uh, yeah. It's a tough schedule. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, they need to beat ASU. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they can be competitive with Oregon State at home. I mean, that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. Because Oregon State's a different team on the road, and Cal at least isn't – it's not the grim disaster that Stanford is. Um, but, but you got to take care of business this weekend. Absolutely like, have to. And cover for us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we need to cover. So they're 2-2 two and two now. ASU at home, Stanford uh, on the road, I would say, are, are pretty likely wins. And then everything else is uh, – yeah. Oh boy. All right. And then he has a second question. Uh, how bad will this get in mega conferences? Do you think you will see nine or 10 win teams that have played nobody and are obviously worse than three or four win teams who only played ranked teams because of conference scheduling? No, I think super conferences make it. So there's going to be a lot more losses. Like, like Georgia could have two losses and be the clear best team of the country kind of thing. Like I, cause you're going to have, if you do a super conference, like then everybody's good. You're going to have teams that were like, I don't know, like a Penn State or a, like say Iowa. Sure, but that, like uh, they can win their division in the Big Ten, but where they're in their super conference, they're like four and eight. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I think there's this middle ground that's going to be happening now where there's the uh, medium conference, the mega conference, but not quite the super conference, which is what the Big Ten is next year. There's a lot of oh. shit in the Big Ten, like a lot of shit. There is a bunch. Um, so how much of that shit you get in your schedule every year is. I think that will be a strong indicator for whether or not you have a good season. And that um, it's going to sound ridiculous, but going back to a system that's more akin to, um, you know, now that they've, they've uh, greased out all the, um, the, the weaker programs going back to something more akin to the BCS would probably behoove everyone because schedules are simply not going to be equal. Like they're just not, you're going to have some years where like the, the one of the elites that you have on your schedule is having a down year and you get all the shit in the Big Ten versus some other team has, you know, Wisconsin that's having one of its up years as well as two of the elite teams. And it's just that is absolutely the difference in a conference championship. But maybe it shouldn't be the difference in whether or not you get a playoff bid. OK. Yeah, I think that's different than when it's like the super conference where it's more NFL like and then like brand teams, you know, you might but the have the way the NFL gets around that is by divisions. You know, they have these yeah. four team divisions where you're, you know, that's. You, you win these little pods and then you go into the playoffs. But you still have like, you know, the Rams go from the Super Bowl to 
they have a losing record. Like, could you imagine like Alabama being five and seven? But there's also like, a lot. Whoa. More, there's a lot more parity in the NFL than right. there even will be within these. I mean, okay. It but you think there what would you be mean, if you it make a super what you conference. mean by a super conference? Do you mean like the next iteration of everything that's going to be just literally the top twenty right. teams in the country? So like Purdue is gone and Rutgers is gone, and it's only like the big brands, which. I don't think people, you know, you don't realize like, okay, well, someone's got to lose those games and there's going to be, you know, blue blood teams that are having crappy records. Yeah, it'll be stupid and horrible in a minor league for the NFL. But yeah, that situation, you would just balance the schedule every single season and you won't know who you're going to play before the start of the season whenever it has a chance to power rate everything. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good stuff. Um, thanks, everyone, that was tuning in uh, live on our YouTube channel and listening on the uh, various podcasting platforms out there uh should be a great opportunity to watch all the pac-12 games i hope you guys get to do that i will be flying out to boulder if you're a anyone in boulder we're gonna go to the dark horse friday night to watch oregon state and uh utah so we'll have some people there and just go check it out and that's just informal so if you're gonna be around uh, i'd love you to go say hi i know someone asked us uh evs asked uh will there be a poc meetup this year and i don't think USC and UCLA, I guess we could do a USC home game because you don't go to the away games anyway. We could do something like on a Friday or the weekend of USC, UCLA, we could do some kind of meetup. That something. could be fun. Yeah, but maybe, yeah, maybe like a USC home game we could do. Uh, USC, Utah game, that's when UCLA is at Stanford. Mm. We could do something that Friday night maybe or something or. Yeah. I don't know. That's. Uh, with like the, um, October 21st, I think we So if we did Utah at USC, we'd probably get some Utah fan. Yeah. Um, what are the Washington and Oregon games? Where are they? Uh, USC plays Washington. Um, that's up there, isn't it? No, it's at, at, in LA. And then that's the first weekend in November. And then the second weekend they're going at Oregon and then UCLA at home. Um, so we could do like the Washington game too. The Washington what? game might add some juice. We'll see if they lose to Arizona this week. That uh, US, UCLA is at Arizona that weekend. Okay. Well, these so. logistics uh, can happen off air. Yeah, they could. But th if you guys want to do you, some though. kind of, uh, yeah, some kind of meetup, that would be kind of fun. So I guess maybe like a Friday night in LA. Um, yeah, what better things do you have to do on a Friday night in LA? I know. We'll yeah. do something. We did. We have done Westwood. We could do South Bay. Well, you're in we, South Bay. You right? say we've done Westwood. We did it once. I want to say the first year that we did this show. So this within the last seven years. Yeah, I think it was twenty. It was it. Was it 2015 that we did the uh, first one? Maybe I think it must yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, Westwoody. EBS um, says let's do it UCLA versus USC. Yeah, potentially, but I think it would be cool to involve another. Because we could still get UCLA people if it's an away game. Like, how many people are going to the Arizona game? We could have Washington people in town. I'd like to include, like, another... we got to do it early enough that UCLA fans, their souls haven't been sucked <laughs> through their asshole yet. Um, <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, so, uh, got to do it early enough. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, awesome show. Thanks for all the questions and everything. We had a lot more questions than uh, we anticipated. But the voicemails and the emails and everything and all the stuff in the chat, thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your listenership. Uh, no super chats, so you don't get to see my feet. And Dave and I won't strip like we promised or we I didn't will. promise to do. I might anyway. Uh, for David Edwards, be off air. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world.
RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.